welcome to the Senior Attorney Match Podcast. I am your host, attorney Jeremy Pook, founder of Senior Attorney Match. Here, we discuss how attorneys who have practiced for more than 30 years can monetize their law practices. We also explain how to value and how to sell a law practice and the logistics involved when transitioning a law practice to a successor lawyer or law firm. We welcome back for the second part of our two-part series on for sale by owner, FISBO. We're welcoming back Gary Weyberg of ROI Corporation and Cress Diglio of Calder Associates. In this episode, we're going to be focusing on two items with respect to FISBOs. One is your friendly competitor, someone you've known in your industry for years, a little bit younger than the seller. And every once in a while, when they see each other, says, hey, when you're ready to sell, come to me first, and I'd be happy to buy your business. We'll talk about that. And the second one we'll speak about is the internal sale. Think about a family-owned business, a business that has key employees where the seller in both of those instances would want nothing more than keep it in the family, either to your real family or to your work family, your key employees. So Chris, we'll start with you, the friendly competitor who comes to the business owner and says, when you're ready to sell, sell to me. Yeah, that's that's great, Jeremy. And when I hear that, red flags go up because there's so many things that can go wrong when you're entertaining just that one person because someone comes in and says, well, I could sell my business on my own because my competitor said, if I ever wanted to sell, call me. So you call them and this is what happened. I'll get what can happen. I'll give you an example. About a year ago, I was called in, uh, called by an attorney friend of mine and said, hey, you've got to help out uh, so-and-so. They own a voiceover IP company and they're selling to one of their uh, friendly competitors who's a little larger than them and they're not getting anywhere with them. So I call and I speak to the uh, the business owner who hired me then to represent them. And what happened was they were involved with this company looking to buy them for a year. They exchanged numbers, they exchanged all sorts of data, all information, and it just kept kept getting dragged out and dragged out and dragged out. And I laughed in the meeting and I said, look, I said, you want to watch how quickly this dragging out stops? They're like, what? I go, you hire me. I said, I'm going to send them an email and I'm going to make the introduction of who I am and what I've been assigned to do. And so I did just that. I let them know that such and such company is now being represented by me. And and I've been told that you're in negotiation. So we'd love to continue that negotiation. But I have but a very brief period of time to continue these negotiations with you and put this under contract or letter of intent before I take it out to the marketplace and bring it to the other competitors that have expressed interest in the company. Well, they went from a year of not getting any kind of response to within less than a week, we had it under a contract, a letter of intent, and everything was well-defined. And they ultimately wound up within the next four months, not only going from letter of intent, but, but closing and purchasing the business from this individual. So it's just about sometimes breaking up that amount of time because when you have one buyer, I often say you have no buyer. If there's no sense of urgency from that buyer to move, they're in the position of power. They'll request all sorts of information at all the wrong times and all the things you probably should not give them. You run the risk of exposing some trade secrets, run it, your employees finding out all these different things. But all of a sudden, you get someone like Gary or someone like myself that comes in and now they realize, oh, I'm not just dealing with 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 Bob over here. I have to deal with with this this professional that's representing them. And oh my, they're about to take it to the other competitors. I don't want to lose this opportunity. I'd better hurry up and do something. 
That's a great story. And thanks so much. And Gary, love to hear from you too. And I think also, Gary, you and I have talked about, and Crest just mentioned it, when you have one buyer, you really have no buyers, the value of bringing in additional buyers. And then Gary, if you can also speak to you know the seller that always thinks that he or she can sell to their competitor, but really their competitor is just a tire kicker. And they're really actually not interested or really not capable of buying the business. Can, can you speak to that, Gary? Well, there's really there's two really two things that can happen there. There's the tire kicker that, you know, but even worse than that, there's the competitor who wants to get a real good look under the hood, but in fact is a tire kicker. So not only are they wasting your time, but you're giving them all your competitive information. And, you know, sometimes people don't even get proper non-disclosure agreements in place. And to the point of one buyer is no buyer, that competitor if they think they have a window of opportunity, they're going to try to steal the business in many cases. Not, not all the time, but they're, they're, certainly, they're certainly not going to put the offer in that they would put in if they knew from talking to someone like Chris or myself that, hey, there are other people looking at this. We need you to put your best foot forward. And I think, Chris, you'll agree with this. We're coaching buyers all the time to say, no, this isn't worth 300000 This is why it's worth 600000 or whatever the numbers might be. And everyone else is going to look at it this way. And by the way, here's three people that will finance it at that amount and will make you feel comfortable that, you, that that's a good number to pay for this. And if you're not going to pay the real number, we're going to move on to the next person. And, and that's really sort of the... Like, and it comes back to the buffer. That's really what Cress and I and, and you, Jeremy, in your practice can do that the principals can't do without having problems, right? It's important when, they, when you're dealing with that, even that one buyer, and maybe they are the right buyer, maybe to the point Cress made, maybe you're going to get that buyer under agreement and get a closing on it. It's still good to have someone to make sure that they're kept honest, that they understand what, what it's worth. And perhaps bring in other buyers to give them a little bit of a fright, so to speak. Does that make sense? Sure. And I'll also speak to the fact of just options. What I see with lawyers is that a lawyer's practicing and they know that their colleague Fred is the one that has expressed interest to take over their practice. And all of a sudden, they've just boxed themselves in and think to themselves that, well, only Fred can purchase my practice because he knows my he knows some of my clients. We see each other at trade shows. We see each other in court. Fred, 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 Fred. And when you involve a broker and all of a sudden a broker says, well, wait a second. First of all, Fred could be good for you, but here's reasons why he may actually not be. And did you actually know that there are 10 other flavors and versions of Fred that would be really interested in your practice. They've been so focused, so myopic on this one potential buyer. It's actually enlightening to find out that there could be multiple law firms, what Senior Attorney Match does in businesses in terms of what you guys do. And I find that when sellers realize that others could be interested in them, yes, they want to really find out if that friendly competitor is truly interested, but then they also see the value of what the broker brings to the table by bringing more options to them. To your point, Jeremy, a seller will often think they don't have any value in their business or their practice, uh, or they have very little value. No one, you know, It's not sellable. And somebody like one of the three of us can help them understand not only is it sellable, but there's multiple buyers out there. Jeremy and Gary, there's also the other part I want to, it's not always that 
you have that one buyer and they they waste the time or they try to steal it or undervalue. There's also the experienced competitor that is the buyer that comes in and makes a ridiculous offer from the beginning, grossly overpriced, you know, because when there's not an intermediary involved, I've been involved where I've been brought into those deals where the business might've been worth a half a million dollars or, and someone comes in and says, I'm going to give you a million dollars. And so I start talking with the seller. I go, look, if they're willing to pay that, great. But let me tell you what's probably going to happen. And I hope I'm wrong. They're going to get into due diligence and all of a sudden their million is going to be 850 and their 850 is going to be 700 and their 700. Oh, sooner enough, you're going to come down because they understand what businesses in this market sell for, but they want to lock you up and then beat you into submission every step of the way to where they get it down to a point where they feel it's a better deal for them. And this way it, it locks you out from talking to other competitors at that point. I've run into that so many times and and I make a point of making sure the seller understands, look, I'm going to do everything I can possible to keep them to that million dollar price point, but here's where it should sell for. So if we come down off that million, as long as we're above this, you're still doing well. Don't get Don't get married to that price point they've given you. Let's hope we get it, but it's going to be tough. So the last point, guys, that we'll talk about is the internal sale, which is essentially is a FISBO in and of itself, whether it's family-owned business or what I see in the legal industry, which is really the, the greatest desire of most lawyers uh, that have younger partners and associates is the internal sale. And the lawyers uh, always are wishing for their younger partners to come through the door and say, this is the year that I'm ready to start purchasing equity in the business. And then they both stare at each other because they don't really know how to structure it. And they both have an interesting need of each other. The associate or junior partner still needs the job and they don't want to do anything that could offend the senior partner, the senior attorney. The senior attorney doesn't want to do anything that could offend the younger attorneys because the senior attorney needs these people to still do the work. And you guys see this in your in your fields as well. And I think a lot of people don't realize that bringing in an intermediary, a business broker, or here we at Senior Attorney Match, that we're actually the ones that are best prepared to help deal with these kinds of issues as compared to, and I am a lawyer, lawyers are great at writing up deals, but structuring the deals, valuing the deals, dealing with the buffer and the emotions, all the things we've been talking about you know, over the course of these two episodes, if we could spend a few minutes on why should an internal deal involve a business broker? And, and Gary, I know you've dealt with this several times. Cress, you too. Gary, if you want to start us off, it'd be great. Sure. No, I mean, I, it's about 20 to 25% of our business and it's a very underserved portion of our industry. And the fact that you're, you know, you do a lot of that, Jeremy, I think is fantastic. I think I have a good example. I was called to a pool supply company somewhere in New England and uh, they wanted to get the business to a key employee who had been a manager for 12 years. And they called me in to sell the business to a third party. They said, you know, we've tried everything. We've talked to all kinds of banks uh, and we just can't do this. And we're so sad. And this, the seller said, my most, one of my most important goals here, in addition to cashing out, is to make sure that this person, we'll, we'll call him Brian. Uh, that's not his name. Brian gets, uh, you know, has a job here. So we talked to him for a little bit and they hadn't figured out the value. They went to a bank and they, as Crest would know, uh, there's a lot of banks that just are not interested in doing that type of financing. 
So they got a no from two or three banks. And we came in and we were able to uh, just do tremendous things to get that deal done, not only from the standpoint of making everybody understand the value, right, which is the basis, but then taking them to the right banks. In this particular case, the, the, we couldn't qualify the buyer for enough to purchase the whole thing. So we peeled off a half a million dollars worth of inventory and had them that be purchased as the deal went as as it was sold going forward. So that that lowered the amount of the loan. It lowered the amount of the uh, the down payment. And and six months later, Brian had the business. And it's really about bringing someone in like Cress or you, Jeremy, or uh, or us that has done so many transactions that we can kind of look at it and we and it's a puzzle, right? And what we have to do is make all the blocks fit together. And we've all done it so many times. That's the advantage of bringing us in. Great. And Chris, how about you on an, in, on an internal sale, the value of a business broker? Well, I've done this multiple times, but more times than I can count with, I'm brought in for the uh, sale, whether it be to a key employee or a family member. And the exciting part about that is a lot of times they do not understand that it's even a possibility because sometimes when the seller wants out, they need that money to, for the next stage of their life. So they feel like if I sell it to someone internally, well, they don't have the money and I, and I can't just take payments. What they don't understand and what we bring to the table, and sometimes I've even offered to this, them, is a, I learned about the business. I go, have you ever considered selling to your son? Have you ever considered selling to that key person? Is that when you go to the the bank or the or for financing, the, the lenders absolutely love when someone that's instrumental in the success of the business wants to purchase it because, you know, look, business loans are risky. So that takes away from the risk when someone who's familiar with the business doesn't have to go through a transition period. The employees already know, the customers already know, take over that business. The likelihood of it, it succeeding and continuing to do well is that much greater than, than all the unknown of the new person coming in. So and a lot of times, depending on the sale of the business to a key employee, they can get in with, with sometimes as little as no money down, 5% down, 10% down. Uh, they, there's a lot more participation that could take place from the, from the seller. Uh, and not only that, the buyers are already may, paying their lifestyle or, or taking care of their personal uh, life or their living situation with the salary they make. And now they're going to be replacing the owner and taking on the, you know, the, the net income of the company, sometimes a salary of, of that owner, and maybe they need to replace themselves with the, with the lower paying employees. So those are great ways for someone to do two things. One, achieve the sale of their business and move on with their retirement or the next stage of their life. But then to feel good, to know that the person that worked with them so closely, whether it was a key employee or a family member, is going to be able to come in and continue the tradition and continue running that company. It's just a feel-good story all the way around. Yeah, I hear you, Chris. Thank you. And I think it really touches on themes that we've talked about throughout this podcast in terms of the value that business brokers, intermediaries in general offer when people are considering to sell businesses on their own. It's the education that the business brokers can offer because they've just seen so much. It's the process that they offer, the way to value, the hand-holding, dealing with the emotions, and also being able to present options. Chris, 
Gary, you're both leaders, different parts of the country. Just so much appreciate that you both joined on this very important topic for sale by owner. Wish you both nothing but success. Your clients, great success. People interested to learn more about your businesses, please look up ROI Corporation for Gary Rayberg and Calder Associates for Cress Diglio. Thank you so much to the both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Gary. It was a pleasure speaking with you both. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Senior Attorney Match Podcast. For more information, please visit SeniorAttorneyMatch.com. You can always reach me, Jeremy Pook, by calling me at 781-247-4211 or sending me a text message at 617-285-3325.